From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 168, and today I'm joined by two pals that I've worked with, Brendan Gall and Aaron Abrams. They wrote my movie, The Go-Getters, and Aaron also starred in it. In addition to that, Brendan Gall is one of the head writers on NBC's Blindspot, which Aaron appears in in a reoccurring role. Both have written on shows like The L.A. Complex, but more recently, they have a film that went straight to Netflix because COVID pretty much screwed up their theatrical release. You can check out The Lovebirds on Netflix now. But before that, listen to our conversation, because we sat down, kind of, sort of, to watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Sweet Smell of Success. I'm Jeremy. I always think I've seen this movie, but I, I'm almost entirely sure I have not. Oh, cool. And we've got, we've got with us on your show where you, I thought normally you've seen the movies and the other guests have not. Not always. Sometimes I've seen, sometimes no one's seen it. And then sometimes it's like someone's favorite movie and someone else hates it. And that's always fun too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then sometimes uh, I've seen it and other people haven't. But, and then we, so we've got Aaron Abrams. Hi guys. Who just watched the movie two minutes ago, apparently. Because you forgot the rules, you you forgot the rules, and you came. Well, because in. we're zooming, I thought. Yeah. Because we're not going to be sitting in the same room watching this movie. That's I didn't fair. know. I didn't want to be the one guy who hadn't seen it. I panicked. But yes, I, I just watched it. Okay, but we also got Brendan Gall. Hello. And you have not seen the movie, correct? No, I for sure have not seen the movie. Um, nor do I have any sense of what it is. Oh, that's other, fun. Other than people, according to reviewers, people love it. It's considered, it's largely considered one of the best screenplays I think ever written. I remember that. I think that's a thing where people talk about that. Okay. Written by Clifford Odets and yeah. some other guy. Not a name I, I recognize. Oh, well, Clifford well, Odets was a playwright and he yeah. like famously was part of the McCarthy hearings and stuff. Uh, but I believe... I, I should have researched this before, but I believe he did not name names. And I think that's partly why you don't know who he is, because he was not really able to have a career. Uh, well, we, I studied him in school. Both yeah, likewise. Yeah, right? Like he, he had a couple of things called Waiting for Lefty and Awake yeah. and Sing. Side note, uh, he had an unearthed manuscript when I was in college that mm-hmm. only our college was allowed to perform. And we were like reviewed mm-hmm. the New York Times and shit. It was a version of Awake and Sing. Strasberg deemed too uh, <laughs> pessimistic. And it was called I Got the Blues. And it was like a version of Awaken Sing. It was like his, his draft, I guess. Right. So we established that Aaron's school was cooler than mine. 
Yeah. And I have a little history with Clifford Odette, so what uh, you want to hear? You want to get I that walk on part in about three lines. Pretty you, exciting, guys. You cultured sons of bitches. You guys knew exactly who this man was, and I was like Clifford Odette. Yeah, well, that makes sense that he. So he probably he probably wrote under a pen name then. Uh, at some point, well, no, I'm, yeah. I, mean, well, I, I don't know. I, I read. I, I read I, about this movie afterwards, and the the writer got sick. We should find uh, out so because this is how much rewrites. And so Clifford Odets oh. was the guy who did the rewrites. He wasn't the first writer. I see. Well, it's, it's his name on it. So it, it, well, there's not two writers on IMDb. There's two writers. There is two writers, but I'm saying yeah. he uses, he didn't use a pen name. So oh, right. No, I meant so, after when he didn't name right names. There. That was yeah. common, right? People just what think about McCarthy. What, what year was all the McCarthy shit? Cause this is, this movie's 57. You know what? We should do some research while we watch this movie. We're gonna we're gonna know some things. We're gonna, some we're gonna know some things. All right. So yeah. we so Aaron has seen it. So we can't get too deep in this. So uh, and and Brandon doesn't know much about it other than it's a movie that people talk about. Yeah. And uh, I'm similar. Like I picked up the Criterion on like one of the flash sales because I I had heard many that I heard that I would like it. Many people had recommended it to me, so I was like, I'm gonna get it. Oh, great! It's for real. It's for real. Yeah. Great. Okay. So we're going to watch and then we'll be right back. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. And we just finished. Gentlemen. Yeah. What I mean, that? what's that? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Brendan. Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty great. I have questions. Yeah. So, okay, this, this movie, the premise of this movie is that Burt, <laughs> yeah. Lancaster's, Burt Lancaster's character, who is a, a call, like a, 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 a Broadway awesome. columnist, yeah. Yeah, a gospel columnist, essentially, wants that to break read, up. That is read world round. He's like internationally yeah. known. Loved. And he wants to break up his sister's relationship with a jazz musician. Yes. Because he's in love with her? His own sister? Probably. Well, a, I didn't get a romantic love vibe from Burt Lancaster and his sister. He's got a framed glamour portrait of her on his yeah. desk. Yeah, but like I don't get any kind of sex vibe from Burt Lancaster does not fuck in this movie. I don't, yeah, the, the, I like that interpretation Aaron has. Freak. He's a sociopath. I think there's, I think he thinks nobody is good enough for his sister. So she should just spend her life. I think he, I think he says th- at one point in the movie that he doesn't it's all he has and he doesn't want her to be anyone else's. Like I think. Yeah. Yeah. To why is she so messed up? Like his sister is mm-hmm. so messed up. Like, I feel like something happened. I feel like mm-hmm. they were, they, I feel like they were, I don't know if he raped her or if they had a relationship when they were younger. I feel like there's wow. some messed up psychological shit going on from when they were kids. I've acted on or not acted on. And that's why she's, she seems very messed up. Yeah. And he, he does seem like a sociopath, but I also feel like a sociopath might do something like that. He is a sociopath for sure. I think to your, both of your points, I think my interpretation of it is more that it's like, it's not necessarily sexual, but he doesn't want her to be, he'd rather her be a spinster and just spend her life yeah. living with him. I yeah. think it's maybe not acknowledged. Yeah. Sexual, sexual. But I think that's what's underneath all of it. I This is what I like about these old movies, though, is that not only are they transportive in, in that, 
Like, I don't, like for this, the first 20 minutes of this movie, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I don't know the rules of this world, even though it's the real world of that time. And even though movies now are about galaxy fighters and whatever, I don't feel transported the same way as when I watch these old movies. Like this movie's about a gossip columnist who like runs the world like he's a gangster. Mm -hmm. And I did not understand that for 20 minutes until they sit down and tell you that. Mm -hmm. Like Tony Curtis is a, his assistant who both creates the gossip. Yeah. So and Tony Curtis like, is part of a whole lower the level, gossip. but like yeah. the, 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 the grunts that run, you know, the, give these little tidbits of gossip and information to the columnists for like little bits of yeah. money. He's just this scrappy dog they running around trying to get his, his client's attention. Yeah, he's but not as his sister. About the sexuality of the brother-sister, it's also emotionally foreign in a weird way where you're, you're sort of, constantly leaning in and being like, well, like that sister's performance is very, she's so damaged. Like she, she buries her head in her hands for like a whole scene, that one scene that I get how you could see that like, oh, there's, it's not just that she's controlling of her life. There's something else, but that could also just be the time period and how actors performed or whatever. But that's what I like about these movies is that they're just. Yeah. And this is also any of it. And this is also height of the Hayes production code. So they're dancing around a lot of stuff that they can't talk about or do. Right. So for that, when you think about that in 1957, it's pretty edgy and racy. Yeah. Yeah. The movie. That's what I. uh, It's it's a movie that didn't. Time period. Like, is it in the time period totally acceptable for a brother to be that overprotective of his sister and just accepted that women were weak and like uh, psychologically fragile. So it wasn't particularly strange that she was this way in these circumstances, or is she messed up because there's something bigger going on? I really didn't get that. Hmm. I just didn't think it would be so out of place in that movie. I I just felt like Burt Reynolds having any kind of sexual feeling to everyone, anyone on this planet would have been weird. Right. The way he was playing, it was so ice cold. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's insane. Burt Reynolds or Burt Lancaster is no fucking joke in this thing. Yeah, he's really those cool. glasses that they gave him. Those are his glasses. I don't. Oh, I just read. Glasses. I read a thing, and they wanted Lancaster, and he terrified everybody. And they made a choice <laughs> to make him wear his own uh, glasses because they thought it made him look like some kind of a like a scare, like a bookish thug, basically. Crazy. Really? He looks he's so intense. I read a thing where they put Vaseline over the glasses right. to make him look evil. So he couldn't focus. <laughs> he couldn't focus. Yeah, yeah. That's dead eyes. Yeah. For Lancaster. <laughs> oh my god! The, there was in a horse's mouth to make it look yeah. like they talk. Yeah, there was a beat where I read something about uh, Orson Welles was apparently in right. contention for that role, mm-hmm. uh, which would have been a very different performance. Sure, sure. So old. And then Tony Before Curtis, I guess, before. being like, I, again, I don't know enough about his filmography, but I get the sense that he was like, this was a departure for him playing the greasy slime ball as opposed to like a stand-up guy. Well, Mikey, there's some like at hot where he's another ladies man. He's not, I mean, not another, he's not a ladies man in this movie, but he's, uh, is this before Wait, are you talking about Tony Curtis or Burt Lancaster? Brent? Tony Curtis. This, before, uh, this is around the same time. Okay. Uh, right. I so have to look it up. That was the other thing I didn't understand. Like, that's why I was so lost in the first 20 minutes is because Tony Curtis is so fucking despicable. Yeah. yeah, and I'm worried that I'm like, is this movie want me to be on this guy? Like, is he the moral? Is he like 
the guy with a heart of gold that's wrapped up too deep? Am I gonna, and then they introduce Burt Lancaster, who's so much worse than him and clearly the bad guy that I'm like, is, am I supposed to be rooting for Tony Curtis? Because he's irredeemable right yes. away to me. There's no come to Jesus moment for Tony Curtis that I would ever be on board for. And thankfully it never comes. Yes, there is. There's a come to Jesus moment at the end where he's like, I won't go any further than that. When like Lancaster wants him to, he, he, or he tries not to, he like, he, he does it. He does it. Yeah. I guess yeah, he does it. Does, he deserves so, to get the shit beat out of him at the end, which is exactly what he gets. He doesn't yeah. get any come to Jesus moment. No. Uh, so something like it hot is two years later. So this, this precedes some, uh, something like it hot. But uh, yeah, he's he's meant to be like a despicable, shitty, oh, like that, he's the lead. That is the. I mean, that's kind of what's amazing about this movie too. Is it's that it, for the time period where it's like your heroes are supposed to be heroes to some extent. You know, anti-heroes yeah. are kind of allowed in this time period, but not this. Part. Anti-hero, like usually with an anti-hero, you think maybe there's something inside of them that's going to, you know, see the light at some point. Tony Curtis, man. Yeah. Well, so I mean, good at being a shit. Like when he's standing behind Burt Lancaster and fucking chipping in and all those little scenes, he's such an asshole. I hate <laughs> much more than I hated Burt Lancaster. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. He, so this movie, uh, upon its release, did not do super well. It's one of those movies yeah. that aged better than it did at the time. Yeah. It, it's, it's known for. Is it because it was so pessimistic? Like it's so. Yeah, very dirty. cynical. Yeah, very. So the whole goal of the hero, Tony Curtis, is the the hero of the movie, and his whole goal. We're watching him go scene for scene, trying to smear a it's jazz so musician wild. whose only crime is loving a person. Oh God! <laughs> oh my God! And he and he like he he's amazing at it, and he's like balancing. He's spinning all these plates, trying to make it work, and it like half blows up in his face, and like everyone hates him. No one thinks he's a good guy because he's not. Yeah, you half like, of a, ha, I mean, maybe a quarter of the population could also argue his sin is jazz. Yes, <laughs> yeah. also the whitest jazz musician. Yeah, part of what I hated about Tony Curtis was I think in a modern performance, like whenever he's accused of being an asshole, I think now people would be like, "What do you mean? No, nah, come on!" Like he wouldn't. If they would. He would become a sensitive, vulnerable person. But Tony Curtis goes on the offensive every time. And become such a hothead about it. Yes. Uh, it was infuriating. <laughs> I, I love the way you say asshole, Aaron. That's my favorite word that Ooh. comes out of your mouth. <laughs> he really he has syllables. Oh. Yeah. It's He's amazing. Great. He's really great. And the dialogue in that movie is no joke. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's where... Uh, we'll, so we'll get back into the writing in a second. But uh, it, it's interesting. Like I had the same kind of issue you guys had and you had, Aaron where it was just like, I'm like, I don't, I'm fascinated by this world. It's interesting mm-hmm. to me. Uh, I like this world. We don't get to see movies like this anymore. I don't care about these characters. Right. But I kind of want to see everything explode in their face. Yeah. That's what I yeah. wanted. That was my. Well, it takes so long for the girl to be introduced as a thing to care about, at least. Well, it takes so when, long. Yeah, when everything hinges on like. A half hour. Before you yeah. understand that, oh, this is the person I care about. But, like, it is a weird first half hour of a movie. They throw you in the deep end, and you're like, I don't. I guess because Walter Winchell yeah, was the person the world at this time understands what Burt Lancaster is and what's going on a little bit better. Like, because yeah. Walter Winchell, I guess, was a gossip guy who ran everything like a gangster. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, imagine that like it, this, this was recreated now, and it's uh, I don't know. It's the TM, guy from TMZ. It's like yeah, it's like it's like he's the head of TMZ. Yeah, or, or like the number one yeah. like the guy with the Slurpee. That's yeah, the guy with the big Slurpee. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you're supposed to cheer, but cheer for essentially, or be sympathetic towards Lancaster's sister and her jazz musician boyfriend. Like there, there's not a lot to cheer for there either. Like she's like a she's a she's a piece of paper in the wind, and like he's like this this guy. He's like such a boring. I, I could, I've never seen a more boring sort of like quote unquote like artsy musician. He's like he looks like he's like on a football team. He's like an accountant. A, yeah, a bag of mashed potatoes. Like he's just like nothing. That guy is nothing. Got integrity though. Oh. Got yeah. integrity. Integrity, and uh, I guess he's good. He's a good guitar. Yeah. Who buys that? That guy is got a pocket full of marijuana cigarettes. Yeah. Ever. That guy doesn't even. Yeah. Ever. Um. Yeah, so the I that, that guy was he's the only guy on the face of the earth who would love that girl though, because that girl's so Oof. damaged. Yeah, he just like, he I'm a, we're gonna move, we're gonna have a boring life, and it's gonna be great. That's right. Which would probably she'd probably be okay with. Yes, anything. Yeah. She was she was going to jump off that balcony. For sure. Yeah, well, yeah. 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 He stopped her. She had momentum behind her. Yeah. But she wasn't yeah, just going to throw herself out the balcony. She was going to throw herself out the balcony while Tony Curtis was there because she called him there to be there while she yeah. threw herself off the balcony so that also this she could wreck his my life. My, I think, only issue with the movie really is that the bad guys are so bad, Tony Curtis and Brooklyn Lancaster, and they get no... They're not tricked. Like that third act or whatever, she does nothing to make any of that happen. They're just pieces of... They're just kind of shitty, and they go at each other and that's how it all blows up in their face. She doesn't do anything, really. She calls. She calls Tony because Curtis saying it's Her plan Lee. doesn't work. And then he, Burt Lancaster shows up, and Tony Curtis is just there, and he's like, fuck you for being here. And that's it. And then they basically go at each other's throats and confess everything. It's not, they're not outsmarted. I kind of hoping that they never had a come to Jesus moment either, where they were like, well, oh, I see the air. Or she was like, the reason I fooled you is because you guys don't know how the human heart works, you pieces of shit. And they both she, go, oh. I mean, she does say, I would rather kill myself than yes. live with you. I guess Burt, Burt Lancaster gets Burt. it a little bit. Where he's like, mm, okay, I fucked up. Yeah. And she, walks off, she walks off down Broadway with her head held high at the end. Yeah. She's going to be fine. Yeah. She's, she's going to be, I mean, I don't know if fine's the word, but she's going to be way better than she's been she's up to this point in her life. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the writing, Chris, so apparently this Odette guy that we were talking about before, you yes, totally named names. Yeah. He totally named names. Okay. A, yeah, it was the opposite. He did not uh, shy away, but that also, that probably legit destroyed his career. He wasn't ghostwriting. Uh, yeah. And he came back to write the thing to take over and write it. And it was like a ground up rewrite. He did that, that took like four months and it was like, they were given pages on on set. Yes, like, I and Burt yeah. Lancaster hated it. Yeah, he was handing in pages that they'd already shot. Oh, apparently, yeah, Burt Lancaster blamed the failure of the movie on Clifford Odets. Yeah, right. But he did like he he's kind of acclaimed for the dialogue. I think the dialogue is amazing. Yeah, that's kind of was. Sounds, his, uh, I think also that's his just contribution. To, uh, 
just to bring it back to my, you know, personally, when I worked with Clifford. Yeah, right. Uh, did I say, so like his script was too pessimistic, right? And yeah. so Lee Strasberg was like, you gotta, you gotta fix this. That's what his original draft, I got the blues, the one that we did was very pessimistic. And then he changed it to something called The Wake and Sing, which oh. is like a famous play, but now it feels sarcastic, that title. Right. Like, fine, I'll do this rewrite where I make it happy for you. Yeah. Uh, but his, and maybe that's partly why this movie failed is because it's also just like cold as ice. Yes. And so cynical. Just like I Got the Blues was like his first draft of his most famous play, the version he wanted to do was also probably too cynical to be right. successful. But with the premise, I don't know how that, I don't know how that movie's any more optimistic. Like the, 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 the just yeah. like, the three sentence premise of that movie. I'm I mean, not sure. Tony Curtis had a heart. Yeah. And like, yeah. but Tony Curtis has none and never even doesn't. He, he a couple times claims that he has, and he's like, I won't do that. And then immediately does it. He for yeah. sure feels guilty about all of it. He doesn't like himself. He for sure, like his secretary, like he yells at his secretary all the time because she clearly knows that he's doing horrible things all the time. Uh, and then he, he, the way that he yells at her is he, he does care. He's absolutely, he's, he, he doesn't like cop to it and say like, I'm a bad guy, but the way that he objects to her kind of like unable to even look at the things he's doing. He's just the amount of both morality that he has makes him somehow worse to me than Burt Lancaster, right. who's just a psychopath. There's also that whole middle section where he, he gets the cig- Tony Curtis gets the cigarette girl he basically pimps out that oh, cigarette with another, another columnist in order to uh. get the smear thing, the, the, the smear oh. piece about the jazz musician. She comes over, they, he, arranges a, she, he arranges a date with her. She's going to come back to his office like later. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll see you later for sex, essentially. And then after that's arranged, goes out and is like, needs to figure out how to get this, like, this, piece, this smear piece about the musician into a, a column. So he convinces this other columnist to do it, but the only way he'll do it is like if he essentially gets this guy away. So he yeah. brings this guy back instead of going back by himself and is like, well, I'll leave you two to it. And she's like, what? You'll what? Oh, so. And horrible. then he does. He leaves. Yeah, I say that it. a little bit with after he leaves, there's that cool line where she's like, we actually met in Palm Beach or whatever. Like there's that runner where he's like, we met before. And you think he's just trying to be smooth and failing. Yeah. But actually, she has met him before, and they. But then, and then he him. shows up at the restaurant in front of the guy's wife. Wife to destroy yes. his marriage. That's a yeah. Tries, so, yeah. So the wife doesn't seem to care. No, the wife says like it's this, this is the first clean thing you've ever you've done that I can remember or whatever, and it's kind of like a nice moment. I, there's so many great lines and scenes in this thing. They go and home and fuck cool those two. Blackmail a guy in front of his wife, and the guy's just like, this guy's trying to blackmail me. Yeah. <laughs> he's left with a cigarette girl. And it's Tony Curtis is just like, ugh. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's pretty great. My favorite line, I think, and I was telling, uh, is that when, I, I think it's Tony Curtis, it might have been the, the jazz guy's, manager but like somebody's telling somebody to fuck off and he says why don't you give yourself a holiday <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's, that's very cool to me so, cool. so many of those they go so fast i was like oh my god yeah, all so fast like, yeah and then by the end of it i'm like oh there were so many of them i left with none of them <laughs> i know and that's almost the problem with too much good dialogue isn't it that it's like i was trying to remember the best my favorites and it was just like they're all gone because each, yeah. each one eclipses the one before it so it's just like a domino of eclipses. And at the end, I remember the last one. And I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> what are like Bert Lancaster says to Tony Curtis, I'd hate to take a bite out of you. You're a cookie oh, you're full of arsenic. Yeah, yeah. I'd hate to take a bite out of you. You're a cookie full of arsenic. What a weird lilt Bert Lancaster has to everything. So amazing. Yeah, what are their movies, Jeremy or, or or Brendan? Like these are You know I don't the movies I want to see all the time, movies where people talk like this. Right. Like, as I kind of said, these are the movies that I think are like almost feel like the last transportive movies that make me feel like I'm a kid a little bit where I'm like, what's happening? And people yeah. are so magical, like everything's great. All the movies that made the Coen brothers write Miller's Crossing. Yeah, all that. Shit. Like, what have you seen other movies on this podcast, Jeremy, that sort of remind you of this? Yeah, I mean, one closer. of the more famous is like um, uh, His Girl Friday. Right, know? right. Well, Brendan and I both love that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, oh God, there's so many. Um, like I looked up movies like this movie and there was like a bunch of things I'd never seen. It was like Parade or Charade, or wait. Oh, Charade? But Charade's like a Hitchcock thing, isn't it? No, it's not. It's, it's, it, I think people often think that Charade is Hitchcock. It's not though. It's, no. um, I can't remember who, but it's not, uh, it's not. It's not him. I mean, there's a lot of Hitchcock that has this kind oh, of trapeze. That's what I mean. So it's I got Ace in the Hole, which is a Kirk Douglas movie I've heard of. I've Ace in the Hole is great. It's yeah, is that's it? a Billy Wilder movie. Phenomenal. Oh, I mean, okay. I'll, I mean, The Apartment is a fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know that that is in this vein in this era. Uh, I mean, a lot of Hitchcock stuff like Dial M for Murder has great, great dialogue. Yes, yes. Rafifi. Um, have I seen? I've never seen Rafifi. Am I supposed to see that's it? A, that's a that's a bank robbery movie, I think. Yeah, a heist movie. Rafifi's a heist movie. Yeah, I mean, Double Indemnity, uh, Twelve Angry Men, Crime. Like these are all like, like I, yeah, I guess when they're noirs, everyone speaks like it's a noir. But I like movies like this that are just sort of vaguely dark, but they're not about like guns and gangsters. They're yeah. just people magically talking. I mean, it's like 10 years later, but who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? That's Which great. was also Ernest Lamont who wrote this or started to write it before Clifford Odets came in. Yeah. Well, but I guess uh, uh, that's, that's by, um, what's his face though? The play is not him. Yeah, the play is. I haven't, I just picked it up. Um, I haven't rewatched it, but I, you know, it's another one. It's another crime one. Anatomy of Murder is. Uh, oh, that was so good, man. That's it's a good one. I remember actually rewatched that. I remember as a kid that blowing my mind. That was like the first black and white cool movie I ever saw. Yeah, that's sitting on my pile. It's my. It's like it's like two. It's, like, it's at least two and a half hours it's long. long. Yeah, yeah. This was nice and short. I appreciated the the the. the Me too. This is it flies by. Yeah, I no. bet it was really cool. If 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 Tony Curtis was positioned like I think he was when this movie came out, I bet it was really crazy and kind of fun to see how shitty person he is in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah like I, I think he was essentially like a like a like a like a leading man like handsome good guy mostly right well maybe that's why they didn't have to sell that he was eventually gonna hit his breaking point and turn on Burt Lancaster right because he's and Tony Curtis everyone assumed like oh Tony Curtis is a good guy yeah but I can like, play with Tony Curtis yeah Tony Curtis at all oh, no man. No, you're going in with a much cleaner, cleaner viewpoint. Yes, I remember him as like the bad guy on like you know Agatha Christie's in the right. Uh, yeah, and some like it hot is kind of my only point of entry. Yeah, I always think of him as they're already kind of like trying to get away with something. They're on the run from the mob, and like you know, 
he's not cool. They're both like dressed up as women and terrified for their lives. But he's charming and funny and charismatic. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, he gets to play like the best thing about something like it hot is he gets to play that uh that other character, the Thurston Howell type character. Right. You know, uh that's really, really ridiculously fun. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like I walked away from this movie going, I like this movie. I kind of want to know more about this movie and read up on it. Yeah. But I also don't love any character in this movie. Oh. I, I feel I either kind of hate them or I just feel sad for them. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like I, I think that I like movies like that. And I feel like this movie called my bluff a little bit where I was just like, <laughs> I was like no, I, why does everyone always have to be a hero? Why does everyone have to always do the right thing? Fuck, why, why are we so like narrow-minded about all this? And then like confronted with this like irredeemableness of all of them. I was like, oh God. They needed to give that woman equal screen time. They need to give that story. So she was a hero from the get-go, and it's a three-headed story a little bit. No. Yeah, that way at least she right, wins yeah. at the end. Yeah, because then if yeah, she felt more like a main character, you can get away with that because she's she, like it's a side character. That And she's yeah. acting like a side character. She's never acting like on the heart of this piece because she's such a wounded bird. And there's the and, weird thing at the end where when, when, when Lancaster comes in and finds Tony Curtis after she's trying to kill herself, and he's like, she tried to kill herself, and she's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and then like you basically thinks like like Tony Curtis tried to assault her in her in her bedroom. Uh and it's like unclear to me whether Lancaster really thinks that or whether he's just like, I'm gonna fuck you up by accusing you of this in front of my sister. And then when Tony Curtis is like he blurts out that basically Burt Lancaster was behind all of it and like, and like told him to plant the, the drugs uh, on her boyfriend so that this crooked cop could come bust him. Lancaster has that whole like um, little negotiation with his sister where he's like, I don't believe you tried to kill yourself any more than you believe that I could ever do that, that I could ever have a cop plant those drugs or whatever, where he like makes this agreement with his sister where, where it's like so clear that like he's saying, I know you tried to kill yourself. I I did plant those drugs on your brother, but like somehow I'm gonna like ninja you into yeah. that. We're gonna go like this. Yeah, he's trying to it's Jedi. So, it is confusing though because they're so manipulative and yes. they never stop. Like there's so many times in the movie where they're called out for being manipulative, yes. and then they continue to manipulate while pretending they're like not manipulating anymore. That was a second ago, and now it's different. That, well, those that where, they, where they start losing it is unclear if it's by accident or if they've actually like when Burt Lancaster hits him, is yeah. Burt Lancaster actually upset or is it part of the scam? Is it a show to distance himself? Yeah. I don't know. But I will yeah. say Tony Curtis at the end, when he, when, when Lancaster calls the cop again and is like, Tony Curtis planted the drugs, go get him. Tony Curtis says they can break my bones, but they can never stop me from talking. So like you get the sense that even though he gets the shit beat out of him on the sidewalk, which he does, mm-hmm. that he's going to tell the world what happened is what I inferred from that. He's going to walk away. I remember is when he's, having that back and forth with the cop and he's calling the cop fat over and over again. And, uh, uh, and as Tony Curtis is like kind of walking away, trying to get away from the cop. Oh yeah. He, he like calls him fat one more time. Like you fat piece of shit. And then he runs up the stairs and the cop calls him like with a big smile face. Like, 
Hey, come back. Chastise me. No, he says, I want to chastise you. Oh, yeah, I want to chastise you. He emphasizes it all weird. <laughs> He's so like, oh. Back here. I want to chastise you. Woo. So weird. So much good stuff. The, uh, I think what's missing from this movie is just kind of like, or those two characters anyway, is understanding just why. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I was clinging to this idea that he was deeply in love with his sister, like sexually. I was like, what is underneath this? Why is yeah. it so important that you break up this relationship? Because you can, I think that's the trick to any anti-hero. Like, if I understand why they're doing it, I can get on board because I can see it through their point of view and their eyes. And I might not like what they do, but I can be fascinated by it. And that's all I need. You know, and but Tony for, Curtis is doing the whole thing just so Burt Lancaster will start using his little tidbits again so that he can get paid by his clients. It's all money for him. He wants to be up top where it's balmy. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, what was that? You know, that... Um, oh, that great line. There was another line I just remembered is, uh, your dead son, go get yourself buried. Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's <laughs> fucking great. They're all it's like, like go get yourself the, the cigarette girl when she's yelling at Tony Curtis for trying to pimp her out, basically. And she's like, What? I'm a bowl of fruit, I'm a tangerine, you can peel me in 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, she calls herself a tangerine. Oh man. Oh. You know what line I didn't quite get? I'm just looking up some dialogue from it. My right hand hasn't seen my left hand in 30 years. Oh, yeah. The right hand knows what the left hand's doing. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Lancaster's like purposefully ignorant of his own, like, you know. Yeah, Tony Curtis like threatens him with something like telling him. So, yeah, it's that's his responsibility. Like, I don't care that I'm a shit deal. What do you? Yeah, there's there's this part of me and there's this part of me, and they've been yeah. separate forever, and they'll always be separate. Is essentially what he's saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So much it's good so stuff. Cool. Patty Chasky was apparently attached to the project. He was he was oh, going to wow. be the original one to adapt it, and then uh, that's weird. That'd been a very different thing. Yeah. yeah, but then it was Learman. Well, Learman wrote the short story, I think, right? And that's why he was adapting it first. And then, oh, yeah, it was his movie, and then he got sick. A stomach thing, apparently. Yeah. And so they brought then, and so Odette's got brought back in, and it was like a big deal. Like, I don't think he'd worked at all since the House American Activities shit went down. And he apparently, he named names, but like he... He was, he named only the names, I guess, that had already been named. <laughs> so he, he gave testimony. He, so he didn't say, fuck you, I'm, I'm not going to name names. But he also didn't give any names that were useful to them. So a lot of people were like, oh, you're shitty. And also, like, you tried to find a loophole, which doesn't make you better. It kind of makes you worse. <laughs> yeah, you probably lose both sides if yeah. you play like that. And also his plays were so, like, waiting for lefty is a like it's like his, yeah, yeah. his his plays were so political he was so like you know stand up for what you believe in and blah 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 so i think i think it was doubly awful that he just folded he was the tony curse char- character yes yeah i was gonna say like maybe he has such hatred for himself that's why he's like no these guys get beat up in the street the end no redemption yeah yeah he for him these guys are these guys are superheroes yeah, <laughs> he, he walks away at the end saying he's gonna tell everyone who knows if he does. Uh, uh, Tony Curtis never does one good thing that he threatens no. to do ever in this movie. No, he has that one moment, and then uh, Lancaster offers him his column, and he's like, "Oh, okay, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally." 
know, my favorite grift he has in that movie is just the little side grift where he he just needs to get some money or whatever. So he goes to Burt Lancaster's office, lets gets uh, Lancaster's secretary to let him look at the column before it's published, and then sees one of the quotes that Lancaster did. Then goes up to the people it's about and is like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna get Lancaster to say something about you," and then makes a fake phone call to nobody, quoting what yeah. he read as though it was his in order to get them as clients. <laughs> Pretty good. It works. It's good. That led to nothing? It led to nothing. The guy comes back at the end after, he's, yeah. after Curtis is drunk at the bar, you know, Curtis like drinking away. What like, did Curtis tell him? Conscience. The guy comes and he's like, hey, thanks for the column. I'd like, we'd like to hire you. And he's like, go to hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. No, he acts like he's better than him now. Well, at that point, he thinks that he's taking over Lancaster's column. Right. Right. So he's like, oh, oh, that's right. So it's not even a, a conscience thing. It's just like, I don't need you anymore. Yeah. I don't need you as a client. I'm, I'm way, I'm, I am the new, uh, Lancaster. I'm People, trying to be charitable. I don't, I can't yeah, no charitable to Tony Curtis and be like, no, there's guilt under it. It's, it's self hate. That's why he's so awful. I don't know, man. Maybe just a shitty person. He's just like, it's just like run Sammy run shit. I feel like there's a lot of these characters in these old movies. who just like, just need to get ahead. And yeah. they stress me out. And they have no moral compass, and they're fucking weird. <laughs> like it's admirable that they that they're hustling at the. And I'm just like, I don't. I, it's weird. It's the American dream. Aaron. Yeah, the American What's dream. That? Someone chasing the American dream in these old movies is kind of. I feel just like heroically in a way that I am not today. Right. Mm. Is, I will say New York looks real good in this movie. Oh, it looks great. Those it's all practical. I feel like there's no sets. I mean, I'm sure there are, but it's just like the street stuff is so alive and like just dirty and full of cabs and like darkness. It just doesn't feel lit. Yeah. If nothing else, and what's great about watching these old movies is you get a real time capsule of the, time, of the period, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's amazing. And then also just like, I don't know if it's on purpose or by accident, but there's like a couple of moments where like things that are significant get, get masked by a person standing in front like Tony Curtis getting punched out by the cop at the end happens behind the cops, you know, second in command goon. Like you don't even see it clean. Tony Curtis has some scenes with his girlfriend at the beginning where he's completely buried behind her head. Yes. Now that's that's what knows where the camera that. is. Like what, just get out from that. But he doesn't. And I mm-hmm. kind of respect that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Cause then like certain lines pop and certain lines don't. Cause she's like bobbing in and out of his monologue. Yeah. When he's working on that cigarette girl at the fir- at the beginning, it's all on her and he's basically forced to stand staring, you know, with his head to the camera, but he's acting his guts out. Like he is not pulling back for his coverage. Like he is going after it in a pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. For what he's doing. I mean, they're, they both, with, with, I mean, to the credit of the actors, like they're committing to those characters. They don't care that they're not redeemable. No, I thought the performances were amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Curtis and Lancaster and and um, Susan Harrison, I thought was like she did what was asked of her. Like it's tough; it doesn't age well in terms of how fragile and blown around she is, and at the mercy of these fucking assholes. But like, no, I think she's the like, one note character. You know, it's yeah. like you well, said, but, like yeah, she's, yes. but she's she's interesting. she's interesting. But it's like no, it's an interesting note. But it's just she's missing. Just so she's missing what they've got in terms of their depth of character, but on a different flavor. Do you think what, that the boyfriend, the jazz musician boyfriend, was supposed to be a lame Like, was that the idea, or was that just the, the way, was that I the casting? I think that was supposed to be like a romance. 
we're supposed to think this guy's great. In that romance. We want them to get together so bad. Yeah, they're yeah. Romeo and Juliet. But the way it's cast, it's like that guy's a limp noodle. Yeah, that's the problem. Like a problem. Is like stand-up guy, but I get how they make this sort of white bread because they're so in the, like, in the arc, they're all awful in, in this New York way that he's just like a corn-fed fucking like upstanding good man. He's their he office. Says, like when he storms into Tony Curtis's office to accuse him of smearing him, you know, and Tony Curtis is like backpedaling and being like, blah, 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 blah. The, 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 the musician boyfriend even says, he's like, mister, you're talking awful fast. But like, <laughs> yeah, says it like an insult. <laughs> it's that, great. That he thinks and talks too quickly. I will say like that jazz musician, I know you guys don't like him and I get it, but like the two kind of confrontation scenes they he has with one with Tony Curtis and one with where he goes after Lancaster are like, I think two of my favorite scenes in that movie. Sure. But is, yeah. isn't it just because of the he, – he, he fulfills a function which allows Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster – Also the, the, the dichotomy of the two. Like he's so their opposite that it leads to just a kind of bombastic chemistry between the right. two sides. Yeah, he's like, the moral he, like, compass. He never moves in those scenes. He plants his feet and there's so much buzzing around him by the other two guys. Like he's just a brick. That yeah, guy. I just, yeah, I love that scene too. Like a really interesting chemistry. Right. Well, and that's the they first – something to it to me. Well, that's, and that's the first time, too, we get the sense of, outside of whatever sexual stuff Brandon's bringing to the table. Um, <laughs> I am not crazy. I defy anyone to watch that and, and dismiss it entirely as a possibility. I no, no, no. I, I do not dismiss it at all. If you were to do a remake, I'm sure they would lean into that. But I think what's, what's interesting is, like, outside of that, that scene with the, the jazz musician is the first time you get a sense of why maybe Lancaster can justify hating this couple and their relationship and why he doesn't want her. It's just the idea that they don't get along. Right. They have different philosophies because this guy, you know, has a moral center and he is, you know, arguably the moral compass of the movie. He's also um, dumb. Yeah. He's, he's very simple. He's just, yeah, and, he's and Lancaster is smart, you know, yeah. can't, he's always can't simple, keep up with them. Yep. Simple, honest, straight line. Yeah, which which Lancaster can't understand, right? So destroy him. I love that. I think I kind of assumed because Lancaster's so scary. I was like, I bet he was a good guy, but it sounds like he wasn't. It sounds like he was a scary man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't like. Uh, he blames the movie on Odette not doing right. well. Right. Fascinating. I wonder what that script looked. Like. I wonder what Lamont's script looked like for his own short story before Odette's. Did a ground up rewrite for four months. Yeah, I like a turning pages in it as they're shooting and sometimes after they shot them. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Wishful thinking. Yeah, wishful thinking. You guys can go back and do this again, right? That's how movies work. Yeah, <laughs> we can get a time capsule. I, I'll be interested to totally like, right. I don't know how this works. There's uh, there's an interesting. Um, I'm going to dive into the Criterion is just like chock full of uh, bonus features. With, uh, that includes a bunch of behind the scenes and historical shit and a, and a really long booklet. So I'm sure that might reveal some of the answers. Uh, I just it. Googled, did Burt Lancaster uh, fuck his sister in Sweet Smell of Success? And the internet said nothing. No one's asked that question, Brandon. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, saying. Put quotes around that whole sentence, like like I'm <laughs> that exact question phrased that way. Uh, the internet's not going to find the answer. Mm-hmm. Come on. 
It sounds like you need to make a Reddit post and see what happens. Start right, that this is like your own smear campaign against me and my <laughs> complex ideas about Pastor's motivation. Now I'm just typing in Sweet Soap Miles Assess Index. And then the first thing that comes up is Robert, Roger Ebert's review. Mm-hmm. And so there are certainly suppressed incestuous feelings in JJ. Oh, boom! <laughs> Roger Ebert. Certainly. Suppressed incestuous feelings. That's correct. That is so, exactly what it was. To, uh, you know. Vindicated. All right, all right. So I, don't Ebert, get, I don't get that he has a boner, and that's what I, I don't get. Uh, he's, no, uh, but he's a sociopath. He doesn't have to have a boner. He can be angry that he doesn't have a boner. Maybe he's never had a boner. Fine. That's not, he's not, he's never touched her. He does not think about his sister sexually. Right. He thinks but, about her as his possession. Yeah, I mean, you guys are saying the same thing. It's just in a, in a different. Just Brendan wants it to give him a boner, and I <laughs> won't let him have it. I don't. I cannot endorse this message. <laughs> he's found the movie erotic and he's trying to justify it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not going the way I wanted it to. <laughs> Isn't that good? Burt Lancaster, those, those foggy glasses, that's your type. Yeah. I mean, Lancaster looks cool. He's so, he looks very cool. That was another thing I was looking at is Lancaster's name is in the production line. It's like a blah, 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 Lancaster. So he was a producer. What a crazy role. The thing I read said that he asked Orson Welles to do it. It was always his movie. And then when Orson Welles didn't do it, he, he like, he was just going to produce it. And then he stepped in after Orson Welles didn't do it. Yeah. He's I think he was like the, the main guy behind this movie getting made. What a weird role to be like, I want to do this. I mean, I get it. You don't get it. Psychotic and inscrutable. But again, like, like who knows with that, that, you know, on set as shooting script change, where they're just like, right. here's the script, just do it. We don't right. have time to rewrite yeah. it anymore. Like maybe he just, maybe that's what he blames him for right. is the uh, making these characters so awful. Irredeemable. You know, maybe there was something more character motivation that got stripped away from it. In What's the Lancaster's like big thing? Like, I think I've only seen Atlantic City What's I don't Bo- know. Bo- I'm not. I'm not sure. Would be at this time. Like, has he been nominated for stuff? Or I think Birdman of Alcatraz came later, right? Oh, yeah, that came later. That's his big thing, though. He he won for that, right? That, that sounds right. Have you seen that? Jeremy? Not, I, haven't seen I have that. not seen that movie. No. I'd like no. to see Burt Lancaster the hero and see what that looks like. Because I don't. I mean, Atlantic City, it is, but he's that's his whole thing. Is he looks like. He's so old. Oh, from here to eternity. From here to eternity. Uh, uh, I've never seen that. Gunfight of the OK Corral, The Swimmer. I do not know these movies. Does it he, have nominated for any? Like what? Apparently, he was in Field of Dreams. Oh yeah, he was Doc. Uh, oh, Graham, rather. Yeah, but that's a, that's more like a cameo in his. Is he nominated for that? No, I I doubt it. Uh, so good at it though. Let's see, nomination. Crazy. I gotta see Birdman of Alcatraz. Yeah. Trapeze. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hero Turn nominated. Uh, the Rainmaker. Yeah, he's not one of these guys I'm super familiar with in that period. 
Well, he doesn't strike me as interesting. Like I, no. I was surprised by how interesting I found him in this movie because I always just was like, meh. No, I mean the movies I, I mean I, I watched tons of movies in this time period, but the ones that really grabbed me are more like the Billy Wilder variety, right? Um, amongst others, you, you throw me a, a math out and a lemon, I'm a happy guy. Yeah, right. Come on. Yeah. Put those two in a cocktail. Math out would have been great in this. Math out would have been. Well, that's just it. I mean, he would have been charming in a in a weird way. Like he, you, it's something. What? Which one? As Tony Curtis. Oh yeah. Well, I think Jack Lemmon would be a better Tony Curtis. Than oh, that's Lemon. fair. Yeah, that's a guy who's trying to spin in. And, yeah. and, and then put math math out in the Lancaster oh. role. It's kind of a waste of a math out. I think Matthew doesn't fit in this movie for me. I'm, I'm going to make it work. I think, I think he, could be, he could be Tony Curtis pretty good. That's also why, why Tony Curtis is not likable because he's so goddamn handsome. Yeah. The only other... Shitty, you're handsome. You could, do, you could be successful <laughs> other ways. He's such a prick. <laughs> There's something I read. Uh, I don't know what part it would have been, but apparently uh, Lancaster tried to like strong arm... Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine Ernest Borgnine as the fat cop for sure. Oh, and Ernest Borgnine yeah. said no, fuck that. <laughs> 18 times in your movie. Oh, that's why he said no. Of course that's why. Yeah, that, that's the part it was then no shit. Yeah. yeah. Also, I love Ernest Borgnine kick would have kicked that part's ass. He would have been so amazing. Oh, man. I yeah. also love that Tony Curtis's office is also his bedroom, but that he has a secretary who sits right outside of his bedroom at a desk. Yeah. And that no- also threw me. I couldn't understand where I even was at the beginning of this movie. I, f- I just thought that he has no shame about it. He's clearly like a second-rate film journalist or film rep. He's a PR guy, right? Yeah, he's broke. He, he's like, he's like, why have an office and an apartment when I can have an office apartment? And just have her come to me. Yeah, and then I, I can go to bed whenever I want or have cigarette girls come over to sleep with. And then and also she, some writing done. Yeah, and she can keep taking notes for me while I'm banging cigarette like girls. He, I also like that he purposely didn't take his top coat because he knew he was going to be going around to a bunch of different clubs and didn't want to pay the, the tips to the, the coat check. Was that something he says? Yeah. He, when he's leaving, his secretary's like, don't forget your top coat. He's like, what? And pay been tipped coat check girls all over town? <laughs> and, then, and then Lancaster calls him on it when they're walking out together and Lancaster's getting his coat. He walks out with that one. He was like, what, didn't want to tip the coat check? <laughs> That's what that was. Okay. It's pretty great. That's funny. He's got a point, though. If he's in and out of bars and stuff all night long, like that, the angles. that adds up. I was like, I, that's kind of my feeling. You know? No, I'll keep my coat. I'll just put it over my chair. I'm fine, thank you. I also like when Burt Lancaster went up to the coat check roll and just said, pick me a winner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Like a dad joke? Like, they're 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 contractually required to be uh, amused by that as they hand him his hat. Yeah. <laughs> what a hilarious joke you tell to every co-check person. And they're all like, great, great one. Good job. Any other final thoughts? I think I liked it better than you guys, but I really like shit heels in general. And I, uh, I was very into it. No, I liked it a great deal. I was just like, I was, uh, I was completely uh, perplexed. Uh, like took me so long to figure out what I was rooting for. And then I was like, Oh my God, this is what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for them to smear this guy. Basically. I think that's what I like most about these old movies though. Again, is that 
I never know what the arithmetic is because right. it's different than like now you can watch a movie and be like, oh, this means this and he'll turn this way and then she'll get the guy and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Movies I mean, like this, they're so disorienting. Yes. That they they reboot your brain and you're like, well, I don't know. Anything could happen in this movie. I yeah. have no idea what the fuck's happening. No, I love it because it's like a, it's, a, it's essentially a con man movie, but it's like a different as opposed to like mm-hmm. it's a con man movie about journalism. And yeah. it's like, so weird. And on just a personal relationship. Like, it's essentially like... A relationship between two shit heels. Yes. Yeah. So strange. Yeah. No, I was into it. And I mean, like, dialogue, it's just like quippy, like quippy zinger dialogue. I mean, I'll, I'm in all day long. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think I was fascinated more than I loved it, but I was definitely intrigued by it. And I want to read up and, and maybe dive into some of the bonus features. And I, th- I thought I was really shocked at how bitter it was. I thought this was going to be like a Billy Wilder fun zazzy right. Tony Curtis. I was expecting a bit more of that. It's yeah, awesome. for sure. I was yeah. shocked. That, that said, to bring it back to Wilder and, and the ace in the hole you brought up. So if you want to watch yeah. like a real great anti-hero character that you can you can root for, ace in the hole. That's Kirk and that's Kirk Douglas, right? Yeah, and he's great in it. And it's one of those movies that uh it's also on the Criterion, so it's like it might be on the Criterion channel if you have that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's phenomenal. And dark and cynical, but also like you can get behind these people. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's great. It's great, right. great, great. And one of those little like gems that people don't talk about enough. Right. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, for taking some time out of isolation to. Listen, uh, it was a, a pleasure. Thank you for just uh, three being hours. a person I can talk to. Yeah. <laughs> we're allowed this. We're we're we're. A couple cities between us. I think we're okay. Yes. Yeah. We're isolated. Yeah. But a pleasure having you in my own. Oh, thanks. You guys too. Thanks, guys. Thanks, right. Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for joining us for the sweet smell of success. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.